FedEx Forum, Growl Towels, Super Grizz, each one a Memphis Grizzlies tradition. This is the Grizzlies Podcast. Alongside columnist Jeff Calkins and pick and pop columnist Chris Harrington, here's beat reporter Ron Tillery. Welcome in to this edition of the Grizzlies Podcast. I am Ron Tillery, the Grizzlies beat writer, alongside our pick and pop columnist Chris Harrington. And Chris, we're at the All Star break. How about that? Uh, I think it, we could all use a break, right? Y'all tell me about it. Uh, you know, it's um, it's always a long time coming because it's it's never at the midway point of the actual schedule, right? Like you know, they'll they'll take this eight day break, and then they'll come back for roughly it, it won't be thirty, but it'll be twenty. What is it? I should know this. They're I think they're at like <laughs> fifty five games. Yeah. Right now, yeah, so, so it, yeah, it'll be in the, in the high twenties. Yeah, and so, uh, so I guess I guess it would be a good time for us to just talk about the state of the team and the franchise at the All Star break. Uh, you know, it was interesting that the last game before the break, the Grizzlies did what they've done by and large uh, since they got past the whole Fizdale firing, and that's just you know stake. Just competitive enough to lose a close game <laughs> right. against a very talented Thunder team, and that happened on uh, on on Wednesday. But uh, uh, how how would you sum up where they are and you know going into the break and you know? Well, I, I think what happened you know in this last home game was sort of good to see because mm-hmm. you sort of worried that was their seventh straight loss. There, they won they won one of their last ten. And you you had that embarrassing game at Atlanta and a few others that it seemed like maybe sort of that you know competitiveness even in the face of losing you, you sort of want to see that because I think that helps the young players develop even if you're losing yeah. and I think there was concern that that was starting to slip away so it was good to see them like that game against Oklahoma City looked like it was slipping away in the first half and it was good to see them rally and see the fight you know they put up especially young players like Andrew Harrison Gerald Martin and some of those guys Dylan Brooks. And so to me, the question the rest of the way is sort of, I mean, everyone knows they're not in the playoffs. Everyone knows they'd like to maximize the draft pick, although they're not going to, I don't think they're going to commit like too much shenanigans in that regard. But it's sort of, how do you manage it? Like, especially how does J.B. Bickerstaff manage it? Like, how do you manage your Chandler Parsons and Tyreek Evans and Marcus Alls? And how do you manage just sort of your young kids and sort of how do you navigate this ship, you know, to the dock at the end of the season when you, you sort of know you know where you're trying to get to, but how, right. how do you get there? I'm glad you brought up J.B. Bickerstaff because I, I think that's kind of my takeaway, you know, because even the Andrew Harrisons and the, and the Jarrell Martins of the world, Deontay Davises, they, they've been inconsistent. Right. But I think, you know, oftentimes as, as sports fans and, and media, we, we love to fire people. But we have to give this guy some credit. Oh, absolutely. I, I mean, he he's doing a tremendous job of earning this job. <laughs> I mean, uh, he's kept them. I mean, kept them uh, fighting. You know, there's obviously some player development going on here, right? And uh, where the franchise is, and what they were trying to do with David Fisdale, right. um, I, I, I think he's he's checking boxes. And and so I uh, I look at that game as a microcosm. Because right. you're right, they they got down 22. They could have it's the game before the break. They could have packed it in, but they come out of the halftime and they give the Thunder all they can handle and and get within one a, a few times uh, and possibly uh, you know having a chance to win the game. So I, you know, I, I 
I'd like to commend JB Bickerstaff. I, I, I don't, and you know what? Even with the, the ownership change looming or possible, why not extend the coach? Yeah, I mean, obviously they're going to get a high draft pick this summer, and that is going to be, they're hoping that's the player who really bridges them to the future. But they care about the young players they have. Like right. they're, they're not all going to be there like in three years, but like they need some of them to be, right? Yeah. And so Bickerstaff gives them, A, he's showing real results with some of these players, but he also gives them continuity in that like he knows their games and he's invested in their games. Or if you bring in a new coach, you may not – a lot of these players are sort of starting from, from scratch with the new guy, right? Right. And so I think that's a, that's a sort of feather in his cap or you know, part of you know, a reason to keep him. And the other thing is, like, for better or worse, and you know, they they've always wanted like a coach who's like in lockstep with management or whatever, and doesn't have that friction. And you know, you could criticize the front office in that regard, but you know, they're the ones making the hires. And and sure. Bickerstaff has sort of shown that he, he he understands like the you know the organizational priorities, right? And it's right. you know sort of navigating that in the right way. And so. It seems like a guy who has the respect of the locker room and also gets along with the people above him. And, and Mark. It, and Mark, which is most important, <laughs> and is invested in sort of these young players. And so, yeah. you know, I, I mean, the rationale would be, the rationale for not hiring him would be you just think you can get a better coach this summer, right? But I think he seems to me, to me like he's a pretty good coach. And yeah. so I would certainly lean t- in toward keeping him. Yeah, and, and then, like, to me, you know, to your point, why? What's the point of, of bringing in some no name assistant, right? And you know, paying you know him you're think, two dollars. You're, you're and, taking a gamble at yeah, that point. Yeah, when when you when you have a guy as you just outlined who who fits the job description, you know, and it's not like he's any less demanding than say uh, uh, Fisdale or Lionel Hollins or Hubie right. Brown, uh, because he even uh, and we're going to transition to this even uh, in that last game before the break. He talked about Chandler Parsons having to earn his minutes, right? And and so what what did you make of Chandler coming back? I thought it was kind of odd. I mean, okay, I, he is well enough to play, I suppose, right? But the game right before the break, yeah, yeah, I agree with the timing on it. I mean, <laughs> yeah. I mean, I I sort of thought that he would be back at some point because mm-hmm. the last home game against Utah, you know, out before the game during shootarounds and stuff, he was just streaking up and down the court, dropping threes, right? Mm-hmm. And the sense I had was that like. You know, it's sort of like if the, sort of like the Conley thing, where if, if they had stayed in a playoff race, Conley might not have had that surgery. Maybe he he'd have tried to play. Mm-hmm. My sense had been, had been for the last few weeks that if they had been in a playoff race and they wanted, they they thought Chandler Parsons could help them, like he could play. Like it's yeah. not that he could not play. It's just like being you know exercising extreme caution given his situation, right? Mm-hmm. And given the situation the team is in. And so, but I think I think it was important to get him on the floor. I'm interested to see how much he plays going forward. Mm-hmm. But to get him on the floor, because A, I think he wanted to be on the floor. He, he felt like, I can play. Why am I not playing? Right. And then B, just sort of remind people that, yeah, I mean, he's he's an iffy proposition. That's just what he is. But he did not get re-injured to the point that he couldn't play. Like And, and I, like I heard a national podcast this week where a national writer asked, are we ever going to see Chandler Parsons play again? And he didn't mean this season. He meant period. Right. It was this idea of, oh, Chandler Parsons got hurt again, and like, well, you know, he's going to retire, sure. or he's never going to be seen again. Right. And I, so I think for Parsons' own benefit, and just sort of to remind the world, okay, it's not, like, it's always going to be bad, but it's not as bad as, like, a lot of people may think yeah. right now. Yeah. And, and, and I, you know, in fairness to Chandler, I, I tweeted out that I had heard they, right. they they were talking about retirement possibly or whatever and and I tweeted out hearing uh, obviously I didn't write it because my my view of Twitter is different than other people's view of 
Twitter. If I'm right. going to report something, it's going to be on commercialappeal.com. Right. And, and I just threw that out there because I heard it from the same person who told me about my Conley surgery like five days before they announced it. Right. So, um, but anyway, I had a constructive conversation with Chandler about that. And, you know, he spoke the same way you are talking about his condition. And I don't want to turn this into a Chandler bashing, but on my ride in to do this podcast with you, he, he posted an Instagram picture of himself in a grizzly uniform with a caption, baby steps. Right. So, so what does that mean? Two and, to and a half years in, right? Yeah, or one so, and a half years yeah, in. Yeah. Right? So what does that mean to you going forward? I thought that was, that was odd. Well, it's just it was, baby steps. He's a max guy. Right. <laughs> well, he's in such a precarious situation that like for the rest of his career, however long it lasts, like he's, he's two steps away from being retired. Like, yeah. he, you know, like, you know, the, the, the wrong moment happens, like it could happen fast with him mm-hmm. or he could like get it to get, get it together to the degree that like, I'm not convinced he'll ever be more than what he was earlier this season, but earlier this season, like this season, if you, at the end of this season, we're going to look back and the, the number of games he's played in minutes probably won't be too much different from last season. Mm-hmm. Right. But the, his play has been a lot different. Like, he was terrible last season. He was maybe right. the worst player in the NBA last right. season. And I often said they did him a disservice yeah. by throwing him out there. He, yeah, he yeah. couldn't really play. Right. right. This season, like, he, he's been limited in terms of appearances and minutes, and that's mm-hmm. probably going to be the case for him for the rest of his career. Yeah. But when he's actually played, like, he wasn't good last night. But for the most part this season, like, he's been pretty good when he's been able to play. Yeah. And so, to me, that's sort of the hope going forward is that you just sort of bake in, like, you're not going to have him every night. You're not going to have him for a lot of minutes ever. You can't plan on him as a full-time rotation player, but can, but you've already you're paying him regardless. And so, can he help you to some degree? You yeah, know? and it almost felt that way when I saw the Instagram post, baby steps. Like he's almost conceding that right at that point. Like, it, it felt, uh, that feels like a message that would have been sent out a year ago, right? When yeah. he's first coming back from those from that yeah. injury. Yeah, so. So that was interesting. But, you know, also as they go on the break, you talked about it earlier. You know, Andrew Harrison has kind of turned the corner on his season. And it wasn't yeah. just the career-high 28 points in the last game before the break. It's just his overall aggressiveness and, yeah. and, 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 and his level of confidence. Uh, Jarrell Martin, uh, who had to earn his way onto the roster, is, right. is uh, making the, the most of his opportunity. So there are some things that you can hold on to because the season was lost a long time, a month, ago. yeah, months ago. Yeah. <laughs> so, so you gotta you gotta look for these small victories. Well, Harrison was was interesting last time. He really got his money's worth. He had a career high twenty eight. He had six fouls and two techs, Right, like he was he was all over that game, um, <laughs> in one way or another. He just has a lot of fight in him, right? Like he has limitations athletically and skill wise, but he plays hard. He plays smart. Stays healthy, and he just keeps finding his way into the mix. And at yeah. this point, I assume. I assume he will be on he'll be on the team next season. And I assume whether they want whether it's projected this way on opening night or not, he'll find his way into the rotation again. Yeah. Right. It's uh it's interesting with him because it seems like he just needs the coach or the staff to believe right. in him. And although Bickerstaff kept telling us that they had a tough conversation with him, uh I suspect what came out of that was look, dude, you're our guy. Right. And and then he went out and responded, well, uh, not unlike how uh, Fisdale handled him. You know, there was a lot of uh, people who thought that, you know, he shouldn't even be in the NBA. Right. And he actually won the job in training camp uh, last year over Wade Baldwin, the 17th overall pick in the first round, and delivered, you know, to his capability. 
And I think that's what we're seeing now again with him. Yeah. Now, and, and for a guy who, I mean, last season, he really just struggled to score. Like he was, yeah. he was the percentage wise, he was the worst shooter in the NBA mm-hmm. who played a certain, at a, at a certain minute, 30, sure. 32% from the floor, right? Yeah. Like, you know, for a big guard, like that's like totally unacceptable, but it keeps ticking up. It keeps getting better. And for a guy who a year ago just really just couldn't score at all, like to put up the last two home games, I don't know what the exact number is, but it, the last two home games, he's put over 50 points total. And that's against Utah and Oklahoma City, who are good teams with good defenses, sure. right? Yeah. And so, no, I think he's helping himself a lot. And in 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 a in a setting where they're they're looking for consistency from like Deontay Davis are looking for consistency. Like you're trying to figure out what can we rely on next season? Sure. Wayne Selden, you're looking for consistency. What can you rely on next season? Harrison is not necessarily going to be consistent with production, but he's, he's consistent in that you can, can depend on him to be in the game. His head will be in the game. Right. Like, you know, he will be present in the game yeah. whenever you throw him out there. And so when, you, when you're, you're starting to, projected next season, like, what can we count on? I think he has joined Dylan Brooks in the, okay, we can count on this guy to some degree on our team going forward. He's proven himself to a certain level, right? Right, mainly because he can guard. And that's usually the toughest uh, part of the game for young players. Because, I mean, like, okay, obviously, Andrew Harrison is no Mike Conley, but that that was his issue coming into the league. He couldn't score. Right. You know, his jump shot was was pretty bad. We see that all the time, that that shooting is a thing that you can improve on with work over your career, right? There's all kinds of guys who come in as bad shooters and become good shooters. Right. And he's never going to be – he has his moments because he's so crafty and big. He's never going to be super super dynamic off the dribble or whatever. But if he becomes like a good – like, you know, NBA average or above average spot up three point shooter to go with his defense and, you know, his smarts and everything. Like, that's a pretty good basketball player. And that's kind of the, the direction that the Grizzlies are going, uh, finding two way players. You know, they, right. you know, uh, you know, and Andrew Harrison improved offense makes him a viable two way guy. Right. Because you know he's going to guard and he's a big player at his position. Well, he's versatile. Like, he, yeah. can, he can play in a backcourt with Mike Conley, he's played sure. a backcourt with Tyreek Evans. Like, you know, if you put him in with another guard who can handle the ball and create and take some of that pressure off of him, and you know, it's sort of all the better because he can you can switch up defensively and like you know he, he's a he's a player who really helps you. I think. Yeah, and, and you mentioned Dylan Brooks, and and Dylan is going to be in the Rising Stars, uh, which is what formerly the rookie sophomore game, right, 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 at All Star Weekend uh, on Friday, and so uh, here's a guy who's been productive and durable, and right. And, and not since the likes of probably what uh, Shane and Powell. Um, I mean, I mean OJ. I mean OJ. OJ was, oh yeah, yeah. He was like second or third in rookie of the year, but that was yeah. his his best season was his rookie year. It's sort right. of a weird thing with him. Right? Yeah, yeah. And so I, I don't know if if uh, Brooks is dynamic. I don't think he is, but but right. he's been he's been dependable, reliable. Yeah, on the floor and 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 at a position that's really at a premium in the NBA now. Mm-hmm. I mean. Because teams are playing so much smaller that there's so much more minutes for more minutes for wing players than there were, you know, 20 years ago or whatever, mm-hmm. and it's so hard to find good ones that if you can find a wing player who can help you on both ends of the floor, like there, there's all kinds of minutes to soak up for a player like that in the league. Now. Yeah, yeah, and and it, it's it's a I think he he hit a rough patch, but it didn't last that long, right? Which I'm I'm kind of impressed by because I mean he's not only started a lot, he's played a lot of minutes. Yeah, yeah, you know, I, yeah, no, no, you're right. He was at one point he was top five among rookies in minutes per game. I haven't looked at that in a little while, mm-hmm. but early in the season, I made note of that. It was him and a bunch of top ten draft picks, basically. Yeah, yeah. In terms of role, so yeah, he's a real fine. 
So did you? Did you? I didn't see you last night at halftime. Did you stick around to watch the mascot wedding, or, or did you <laughs> skip out on that? Actually, I think I saw your tweet. I uh, I, I might have been in front of Jesse Jackson. <laughs> I, I did stop in the tunnel and turn around and watch because I just wanted to see what that was going to look like because they just kind of sprung it on you. Right. It was like one game, Grizz is engaged. And then, you know, you're waiting to come back to see how that's going to pan out. Normally, with the wrestling stuff, they they kind of create the storyline. Well, it was so, quite the um, quite the um, elaborate sort of setup. I mean, they've had... They've had you know Martin Luther King Day game, which is a big show, but that's not a that's not a, a game a day for hijinks, right? Right. That's just a, but that's a big platform, sure. And they've had the wrestling night, which is an annual sort of big show, and then typically you wait to the playoffs and they really like go all out with their game presentation. Well, they don't have that opportunity this year, and so mm-hmm. Valentine's Day to have a game on Valentine's Day was sort of the last chance they're going to get to like try to put on a show in the arena beyond the basketball. And I thought it was a pretty good show. You had the whole people didn't see it on um, the mascot Grizz. Um, there's a wedding ceremony with another mascot bear, and then um, there, then his his rival Natch um, objected to the ceremony and hit him with a chair shot, and then took off with this woman. It was quite the elaborate thing, and it was funny. You mentioned I was standing in the sort of the end of the tunnel, close to the court, watching it. When it was over, I turned around to walk back, and when I turned around, the first person I saw was Jesse Jackson standing in the tunnel. <laughs> so it was sort of you went from the low to the high in a way. Yeah, know? yeah. No, I was I, I I stopped and stood in the tunnel and watched it, and and. For all that they've done with Natch, you know, you know, going against Grizz. Right, right, right. It's been that, an ongoing storyline. Yeah, yeah, for years now. And I thought that was prop. They hit a home run on that one. Yeah, that, that was that was I've not been a biggest Natch fan all the time, and I thought that was a good use of the um the bad bear. Yeah. For the bad bear to walk off with the Grizz's girl, I thought that, <laughs> that was pretty funny. You know. It was supposed it was the most devious thing he did. Yeah. That may be the last laugh we get this season. <laughs> That's true. But well, and unless uh no, nah, I won't say it. <laughs> pick pick a grizzly that that takes the floor. You might get a laugh. Okay, <laughs> I know for you it's probably Ben Macklemore. Well, I was about to say we may get another three sixty dunk attempt. <laughs> I know. <laughs> I don't know. It's um, it's been an interesting pre All Star season, uh, and not just because of the injuries, but you know, um, because you know the way the Tyreek Evans thing played out and. And, um, you know, how they have articulated the vision. Right. You know, and and so what do you make of that? There's a lot been made of of, uh, Peter Edmonston's interview with John Hollinger, the VP of. uh, I I thought that was, I thought the interview was really good. And I have to say, my biggest reaction, there was nothing that surprised me in there because I sort of knew, I mean, I, I, I wrote it that morning or the day before. I sort of understood the rationale of what they were doing. Mm. But what I took out of that, was Hollinger is not like good at talking. He's not smooth, right? I mean, he sort of talks like a writer, right? Um, but when you compared to like Chris Wallace's public stuff lately, when he when he did the scrum, like Wallace is a lot smoother, but Wallace is so defensive and it's always like trying to filibuster and trying to sort of spin and trying the main thing, yeah. And and it's just it gets sort of tiresome. And I like Chris, but it gets tiresome. And when 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 Peter interviewed Hollinger. It, it was much more direct. Like he listened to the questions. He answered the questions honestly to the degree that he could. Right. And when he couldn't, he said, well, I can't talk about that. That's all we need. Right. Just do that. Right. And you don't have to be a good talker to do that. And right. so I thought it was a very honest, um, you know, an honest exchange, which was refreshing. Yeah. Yeah. And, and th- you're right. There needs to be more of that. And, um, 
Because I think people get tired of the spin. Right. And, and the spin doesn't work when you're losing. I mean, like, yeah. pe- people want to know the real deal. <laughs> like, what's going on here? And I can tell you, there are some people internally uh, who are just as frustrated by the, 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 the fact that the Grizzlies don't articulate their, their direction and their vision. Right. Uh, the people are frustrated internally as much as we are as media and, and some of the fans who listen to this and, and buy tickets to the game. But, you know, the, the thing about, I guess the only thing that I kind of disagreed with was the idea that they kind of got locked into where they're going to end up. Oh, yeah, uh, yeah. As far as the, as well, far I mean, as the draft You, you get position. eight teams separated by, like, one game. Yeah. Like, it could, I mean, it could go anywhere. I mean, I guess one of the points he was making was that he, he didn't want to name names. That would get you in trouble. But sure. to say, like, there are some teams out there that are going to, like, do things we're not willing to do. Like, right. you know, in terms of making a mockery of the game, you know? Right. Um, and I appreciate that. Like, I, you know, I think it's a, it's a fine needle to thread. Like, I don't want them to make a mockery of the game. But the idea that you saw it last night, I and mean, they lost that game, but, like, Tyreek Evans was good, and they were right in it with a really good team, right? Mm-hmm. So the idea that when you have eight teams within, like, a game or two with 30-something games to go, that having Tyreek Evans versus not having Tyreek Evans is not going to impact your draft status. It just is, right? Mm-hmm. Unless they really I – mean, that's why I'm interested to see what they do in the second half um, in terms of are they going to limit his minutes. I mean, Marcus Gasol's minutes were not that high last night. Yeah. You're going to well, limit his minutes. You're going to set games. So like, what are you going to do? Yeah. Well, it, well, and that's the thing, too. I mean, I know we play this game in our heads about, okay, with Tyreek, without Tyreek, whether Mark plays a lot, you know, or not – but we, I mean, they have to be honest about this thing uh, as as much as we are. Mark has, Mark hasn't been good. Oh no, he hasn't been good. <laughs> I mean, like he, he he's not playing well. Right. So I mean, it's not like he's going to put you over the top. You, you're correct in saying that Tyreek could, especially right. in the head to head game games with the tanking teams. Right. You know, uh, that's where it becomes uh, an issue. Yeah. And, and so it'll be interesting to see going in the second half, well, post All Star, whether. Yeah. They manipulate Tyreek in those games. Yeah, you have LeBron coming in like out of the break and like you know, you know I mean he's got something to play for now right. with the new teammates and the playoff run. So he'll probably he'll probably actually play in yeah. Memphis this year, and he'll probably take care of business for you in that regard. But then you're right once you I haven't looked at the schedule, but you get into you know these other teams when you're playing you know Dallas or Sacramento or whoever. It's a different different story. Right, right, and you know like they just went to Atlanta and just you know. <laughs> you know, they were so bad in that game, Tyreek probably wouldn't have mattered, no, right? No. <laughs> you lose them by thirty no, or forty or whatever. No, it is. And, I, and I understand, you know, the, you know the, the the concern about Tyreek maybe accounting for more wins than you probably need. But going back to the original point in, in that podcast, you know, I the idea that they have settled into their draft position, or or the idea that they couldn't you know, be any worse than any of these other teams. I, I just, you could, I don't e- get they that. could easily be anywhere from one to eight. And that's a super wide range. Like one to eight is a really wide range. I think when you get outside, I think there's of like five, six or seven teams right now are all with 18 wins. Yeah. Yeah. I think if you get outside of five in, in this draft, uh, it, it's going to be a good draft, but, right. but you know, then now you kind of like, you know, well, rolling I mean, the dice. I mean, the consensus bit. right now, and I, I, I think I agree with this consensus, although I may change my mind before the summer, Consensus right now is the draft breaks after seven. So you have like sort of seven players, yeah. and then you're sort of a drop down. Well, but the problem with that though is like if you if you end up 
six or even even if you end up six or seven, but the way the lottery works, you could get bumped out of that, right? When right. things jump ahead of you. And the other thing is, even if you're down at seven, you say, well, it's a seven-player draft and we'll, we'll get one of them. The lower you get, the fewer choices you have, right? Right. So you may look up and the player who's left, who's the best player on the board, just not is not a good fit for you at all. So you want choices among these players. Right, right. No, I agree with that. And, um, you know, well, they, they made a calculated yeah. decision when they when they did not trade Tyreek Evans. And, and the, the other thing that's interesting about that is you, you go through this business and you, you – I think it's across all sports. You listen to executives and GMs and – team management, and they always talk about assets, right? assets, assets, assets. And, you know, they, they, they were talking about not getting a good enough uh, deal for Tyreek, and they, and they talked about it in terms of picks, you know, like supposedly the, the second-round picks were too low, right. you know, and, and meaning they were up in the 50s or whatever, you know. Right. And, but but look, how, look how you can use them. Like Detroit used a pick to move Bryce Johnson, whom the Grizzlies – won't have on their team. Right. The Grizzlies used a pick to move Troy Daniels. Who they probably should have kept. Who they probably should have kept. <laughs> right. Because they wanted to create that spot. To, to, to so, spend more money on Ben McLemore, who's probably yeah. not as good of a player. Yeah. yeah. So I, I just I just didn't understand that part. You know, like. Well, I mean, I think I think it's not so much as saying that these assets don't. This, this is actually is sort of what they said. But what they should have said was, it's not that these assets don't matter. It's that we believe the advantage we would like to re-sign Tyreek this summer. And in theory, we could we could trade him off and still do that. Mm-hmm. But but we think keeping him gives us a better chance of doing that. And we think the value of that better chance mm-hmm. has more value than these assets we were offered. And I actually don't have a lot of quarrel with that analysis. I don't think they articulated it very well, but I don't have a lot of quarrel with that analysis. To me, it's the draft thing that right. that is sort of the third factor that is more prominent in the decision that I don't think they put enough emphasis on. Yeah. All right. Let's let's end it with this. Um, outside of Tyreek, because we know he's had an incredible bounce back season. I mean, there, there's no question oh, yeah. he's the best player on the team. Right. A plus. Outside of Tyreek, who gets the highest mark for you? I think it's going to be Dylan Brooks because yeah. when they drafted him mid second round, on on draft night, I think they were thinking, well, he may be a two way player, and you get him into the summer league, and you quickly find out, well, he's not going to be that, right? I don't think they ever anticipated him playing this much as a rookie. Like second round picks, mid second round picks don't do that, right? Yeah. And so to find a rotation player on the wing out of the mid second round for a team that's had such a struggle in the draft, I think you know it's a small thing. It's not. It doesn't make up for missing on a team to beat or whatever with higher picks or right. missing on Wade Baldwin. But to find that a player who helps you that much that late in the draft, I think was a big win for the Grizzlies. I totally agree with you. And and I think sometimes people get it twisted because young players earn the trust and respect of the coach and, and their teammates in practice. Right. And and you could see right away how how quickly Dylan Brooks earned the trust of Fisdale. And then you could see right away on the court how much these veteran guys trusted him. They, I mean, they they look for him. Well, once the game yeah. started, you saw it on opening night. Oh, like yeah. immediately. Yeah, oh yeah. yeah. And so, yeah, so you got to give a kid all the credit in the world for for how he came in and looked like he belonged almost immediately. And and so he's he's kind of Shane Batty esque. Well, you look in at all, that, in you, that regard. Yeah, you look at all these other younger players, and like I think they all have potential. I mean, so I'm not like you know insulting any of them to say this, sure. but like 
you know, we're in year three with Gerard Martin and like he's showing good progress. And, you know, we're in year two with Deontay Davis and like, you know, we think, we think something's going on there. Sure. And Wayne Seldon's in year two. Don't, you know, it takes these players time. It doesn't take Dylan Brooks any time at all. Hey, not at all. Not at all. Yeah. And that's the most impressive part about it. And he's going to be in the rising stars challenge. And yeah, I mean, he, it looks like he's going to be a part of the Grizzlies franchise for a long time. I, they hope, I think. Yeah. 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 All right, Chris. Good Thank, talking to you. Right. Thanks, Ron. Have have a good good break. Well, I'm looking forward to it, and uh, and I I can tell you this: in that <laughs> locker room, there was a lot of guys <laughs> was looking forward to it as well. Well, if you get bored during the break and you want to write some nine on one columns, I, I can help you out. I, I I can shift shift some of that your way. <laughs> it might be more like nine one one. Thanks for listening, guys. I'm the only beat writer the Grizzlies have ever known, and he is Mr. Pick and Pop. And we will talk to you next week. The Grizzlies podcast is hosted by Ron Tillery, Jeff Calkins, and Chris Harrington and posts each week during the regular season at commercialappeal.com. You can also subscribe to the Grizzlies podcast for free on Apple Podcasts and Google Play. I'm Sean King. The Grizzlies podcast is a production of the Commercial Appeal.